Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid sleeping isn't one. Okay, my babes. Today we're going to be talking about something I ask every, <clears throat> excuse me, every single client who comes to me in their intake and is very often something we discuss on their intake call, which is my first chat with them where I'm, I'm getting to know the family making sure I'm really clear on everything, making sure they have time to ask questions before we even begin the process of creating a plan for them. So what do I ask? I ask who else is responsible for baby's day-to-day besides whoever has purchased this plan and is filling out this intake, and are they on board with making changes? It's so important. And I want to talk about it today because I think it's not only something that like I ask and care about with my clients, but it's something that I think for a lot of families is a challenge. And there are so many different types of cooks in the kitchen that families potentially have going through this process. So I'm going to kind of break it down by each category, if that's the right word. So I'm going to talk about first your partner. So if you are co-parenting with a partner, a husband, a wife, whatever, okay, Grandparents, babysitters. I'm talking about like the girl down the street babysitter, nannies, and daycare. So I will say at a high level, I have two episodes that are specifically dedicated to nannies and night nurses. If you look at last week's episode, if you want to get just into a deep dive about nannies and night nurses, I have a whole episode about that. And I also have an entire episode that's just about sleep and daycare. So I'm going to, you know, these are going to be like more high level takeaways. But if you want a deep dive into managing sleep at daycare, there's a whole episode on that. Okay. So because I think there are, I'm breaking these down because I think there's nuances between them that are important, right? And these are different, different levels of involvement, obviously, in your baby's day to day. The reason this is so important is You know, you've probably, if you follow me on Instagram, if you're a client, if you've taken a course, you know I say things like, if you confuse, you lose, right? To be clear is to be kind. And part of that, when you're implementing changes with your baby or toddler's sleep and staying consistent with things, it's more than just you. Like if, if, you know, for the sake of argument, if I have a mom listening to this, it's more than just what mom is doing. If dad, nanny, daycare, babysitter, grandma, whoever, anybody else who's involved if they're doing something totally different, that is confusing, right? That's confusing your child. Why, when mom puts me down, does she hold my hand until I fall asleep, but dad says goodnight and shuts the door, right? It just causes confusion. So that's why it's really important. But it's not easy because not everyone feels the same way about things. There is all these nuances to it. So let's talk about first your partner, your husband or wife. Okay, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. You guys know me. I can't not have like 100 caveats to make sure everyone knows I support however however your family is set up. For the sake of argument, I'm going to say husband or wife. So the first thing is, before you make any big change with your child's sleep, it's important that you guys get on the same page with this. Now, getting on the same page doesn't mean mom and dad or, you know, the two partners are equally comfortable with everything, are going to handle everything 50-50, have the exact same questions. I mean, that's incredibly unusual. When I'm on calls with clients all the time, one parent is a little bit more anxious about beginning the process, one parent is a little bit more skeptical, one is mainly going to be handling things while the other, you know, is out of town or they're going to sleep in the basement because they don't want to deal with it, whatever. And if I'm being totally honest with you guys, it's not always the mom. It's like 50-50 the dad. So it, it doesn't matter. 
there is often somebody who's just a, has a little bit of trepidation going into the process. Understandably, it's a big change and, you know, it's hard. So that is the first thing. It doesn't need to be like we're all ex- equally excited and equally doing it, but you do both have to be ready to do it. And I honestly, when I'm talking to clients, all I care about is that nobody's going to sabotage the other person, right? So if somebody's committed to doing it, they're all in, they're ready to go, and the other person is just like, didn't read the plan, didn't read the book, didn't take the course, you know, watch the course videos, whatever you're kind of using to support your child. Um, And they're like, oh, I didn't know I couldn't give the passy. I'm just going to go give it to them, right? And they're like totally derailing your success. So that's the most important thing is that they're not going to sabotage you. So I would make sure before you move forward, and I will tell people this, I've gotten, you know, emails, DMs from people like my husband doesn't want to do this, but I do. And I tell them, you've got to have a conversation with him about this before you purchase. I don't want anyone coming to me behind their spouse's back or, you know, with somebody who's very begrudging about the process. Nervous, skeptical, of course, that's par for the course, but not refusing to do it right so i think a good thing to do if you are in a position where you have a partner who is not on board with the changes you want to make i would sit down with them i'm going to sound like a therapist or something right now but i'm not by the way um i would sit down with them not in a tense moment not while the baby's crying or while the toddler is you know jumping out of the crib in a calm moment and explain to them why it's important to you to make the changes and ask them what specifically is holding them back? Because it could be a million things. Maybe they're like, I think it's going to take too long and I travel too much for work and I don't want you to have to do it by, on your own. Or I think that, you know, if the baby cries, something bad's going to happen and have them explain to you why they think that is, right? I think understanding why your partner is hesitant is the most important because then you can work with it because it might mean a compromise. You know, you are really nervous about crying. I'm not. Um, let's look for a method where you know you can be very physically involved and you can sit in the room with them or whatever or I'm I understand you're nervous about me doing it by myself why don't I have my mom come for the first night and she can kind of support me emotionally if you're out of town whatever like look for ways that you can compromise because oftentimes when families come to me with this kind of dynamic it's the person who's doing a lot of the work, like they're the one, you know, up all night nursing or whatever. They're exhausted. They really need to make a change. And the partner is like not quite ready for it. So explaining to them like what your experience is, you know, I know that you're nervous about doing this. I know you're worried he might be hungry, but, you know, I've been operating on two hours of sleep for the last six months and my body can't take it anymore. I'm suffering like I'm having brain fog. I'm you know, having these crying spells all the time. It's worsening my PPA. Whatever the things are, having that conversation is so important. So let's say you get to the place where, even if it's a little bit begrudging, both parents are ready to do this. From there, it's really important if you're the one who has been like reading the books, you took the course, you did the whatever, it's really important that you take time to walk your partner through how to do everything. Because a lot of this is just a little bit of insecurity. It's like one parent has taken the lead, they know how to do everything, the other parent's kind of pushed to the side. And sometimes just getting them involved and giving them the confidence that they can be a part of this process can go a really long way. So take the time to say, this is what I've learned we should do. Here's why this works. Here's how it's going to go. You know, he really likes this. And arm them with the tools to be just as successful as you have been doing all of these things. 
some of it is just getting in the reps. It's like anything else. It's like learning to ride a bike. If you try to ride a bike for two minutes once a month, you're not going to be a very confident bike rider, like if you were a child or something, or I guess an adult who doesn't know how to ride a bike, that would work, right? But if you're doing it every day and you're doing it for longer and longer, you're getting more and more confident, right? Getting in the reps really matters. And then most importantly too, you can't jump in every time they don't do things the exact way that you do it. And I think this is especially true with toddlers. So, you know, if you are like, we do bath and then you're supposed to towel him off and you're supposed to let him get a sip of water and then he, you know, puts on his PJs and then he reads his two books. If dad instead sits down before the bath and reads him the books as the bath water is running, getting ready for the bath, you're not going to jump in and be like, you're doing it in the wrong order, honey. You're supposed to give him the bath first. Like, it's okay. He's doing it at the right time, presumably. He knows the steps. Everything might not be the exact way that you do it, but a part of like arming your partner with the confidence that they can handle this is not jumping in in the moment. That's why you've taken time ahead of time to walk them through what they're supposed to do, ask for their input. Like, it's been going really well if I sing this song to her. Do you want to sing the same song or maybe you sing something else, right? Like, let's involve them in the process, make them feel confident and capable. And part of that might mean you need to like get the hell out of Dodge, like go to happy hour and like do something, go for a walk with the dog, get out of the house, let him or her manage it. And if it's not the same, it's fine. Boundaries, though, we want to be the same. That's really important. So if you, you know, I've put together, whether you're like working with me, you're working with someone else, you've read a book, whatever it is, and you know, you the thing you've read or done is like, okay, then after you do XYZ, you're supposed to leave the room and say, I love you, good night, or you're supposed to sit in this chair at the doorway, like whatever, then your partner has to do it too, right? We don't want to confuse the kid, the baby. So it's the exact same thing. It might be nuanced difference, like that example I gave of the bath being at it, you know, before or after the books. But if there's something major that has to do with like reinforcing behavior, that needs to be consistent between the two of you, right? So one of you is not holding somebody's hand until they fall asleep while the other one leaves the room. And that's going to help you so, so much. And I mean, I would be stupid not to shamelessly plug right here. That's one of the reasons a lot of people like to work with me because you can make me the bad guy. Be like, I don't know, Brad. She said we're supposed to do this. And Brad's like, okay, fine. Because, you know, you paid for someone's expertise to look into your specific child situation and I'm telling you this is going to work so we got to get on board Brad okay okay sorry guys I have a cold I mean me and everyone else in the world um but I'm like sniffling right into the microphone so you are welcome okay grandparents ah grandparents parent grandparents if you have a grandparent or you know a sister-in-law I don't know somebody in your family who is a major part of your child's day to day now if grandma comes to babysit once every nine months and she gives everybody candy in bed, let it go, I guess. I, I think this is harder if you're a first-time parent and it's a very little baby, right? But if we're talking about something outside of those first few months and it's a sporadic visit, I would just let it go. But if this is somebody who is, you know, it's, uh, you know, you work part-time and grandma babysits on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, <coughs> excuse me then this is a conversation you need to have. Because remember, again, to be clear is to be kind. We want it to be very clear to your baby and to your toddler, whoever, that everything is the same. Their, their schedule is the same. They are put down the same way, all of that stuff. I would really try a couple of things with grandparents here. Be really clear about what you want, okay? 
be explain it to them. I know that sounds dumb, but they aren't mind readers, just like nannies and babysitters and frankly, our husbands or wives are not mind readers either. Be very clear about what you want them to do. Say, you know, I so appreciate you babysitting Sadie, you know, during these days and things have been going really well for us doing XYZ. I'm going to walk you through how we put her down and like explain what you want to happen and be very clear. Okay. Try to remove, remove, try to remove emotion from your, your voice and stay calm yourself, but use emotion to explain what you need. I feel like that was confusing the way I said it, but basically I'm saying like, you don't be, don't like cry and get upset and tell them they're a terrible parent and a terrible grandparent, blah, blah. You're not being emotional, but I would appeal to their emotion when you explain why you need this so much and say things like, I've really struggled in these first few months. I've been exhausted. I've been confused. We finally have gotten her to a good place and it would mean so much to me if you could keep these things going and be empathetic to their side of it and say, I know this is totally different from what you did with me and James when we were kids. Like, I know this probably seems weird to you and I get it. And there are certain things that I'm fine. Like if you want to do X, Y, Z, you want to feed her this, it's fine with me. But sleep is the one thing that I really care about. And I just really appreciate it if you could help me stay on this path because it has made me a much better mom since we started doing this, right? Like, be honest. You know, I think honesty can and just vulnerability and openness in general, and especially in a situation like this, can be so, so helpful. Be clear. And I do think that last piece of insinuating that you don't need to control everything, there's some things that you're willing to let go, is really important. Because I think it can be easy for the receiver to hear, like, this mom is just a control freak. My daughter has lost it. My daughter-in-law is crazy. She's being so nuts about this schedule. But if you say things like, I'm fine with whatever you want to feed her for lunch, as long as it's not, you know, (laughs) caffeinated, whatever, or I'm fine if you guys want to stay at the house or go on adventures during the day, but sleep is really important to me. It's really important to me that you do her naps in XYZ way, right? And obviously, just like with the parent, you know, with your with your co-parent, make sure you are actually walking them through how to do things and try to get ahead of the things they might say. Say things like, I know we were put to sleep on our backs, here is or on our, our stomachs, here is why on the back is so important. I've, you know, I've studied this, I've learned a lot that I didn't know myself either. Or, you know, here is how we do her nap routine. I know the instinct is to rock her and here's why we don't rock her. And again, if you've worked with me or taken my courses, I explain those things. I give you the why. So you're armed with that information to share with anyone else who's taking care of your kids. And I think that piece is going to be huge. Okay, babysitters. This is just a really quick one. I don't think at the end of the day, babysitters are typically a huge problem. The truth is, most kids give their parents a harder time than anybody else. I see that all the time in clients' intakes um, or when I talk to them. They're like, yeah, it's so funny how anytime we have a babysitter, they're like easy to put to bed. But, you know, as soon as mom and dad are there, they're giving us a run for our money. So that's really normal. With babysitters in general, start using them as soon as you can. That's awesome. As soon as you feel comfortable with a baby being left with a babysitter, go for it. What I would say is, if possible, try to just establish good sleep foundations before you have one. You know, if your baby is capable of being put down awake and, you know, the bedtime routine is pretty seamless and you have it locked up, then it's not going to be a huge deal if somebody babysits, right? So you're working on that stuff ahead of time. 
And I would prepare to let things go a little bit. We had a babysitter recently who's, she's younger. She's wonderful. We adore her. This is not even like a bad thing. But you know, I obviously tell her what time the kids go to bed. I put Delaney down myself before we left. We came back at nine and like both of them were awake in their rooms. Teddy was just like hanging out. And I guess they had been reading books. Baker, I don't know what he was doing. But I mean, nine is definitely not their bedtime. But it was a case where I was like, she's a good babysitter. She's really kind to my kids. They really like her. They had fun. You know what? It's not the end of the world. It's not like she had them hanging upside down by their toenails. You know, so like be prepared to let things go. And just like so much else that I tell you guys about sleep, when you have a kid who has a good sleep foundation and is not running on a sleep deficit, things like that just don't matter. Like there was no like, oh, now they won't go to sleep because they're awake at nine and like now they think they can stay up late. No, I went in and was like, what are you guys doing? Okay, sillies. Like, I love you. Gave them a kiss and they got up at their normal time the next day. You know, it's just not a big deal. I would also explain to kids, if you have kids who, you know, are older, three, four, five, six, whatever, that can communicate with you, I would explain to the kids that the rules are the same when they have a babysitter. So before they, before you leave, you know, tell the babysitter in front of them, this is when they go to bed, here are the steps. You want your kids to hear you telling the babysitter exactly what happens because kids are sneaky. I remember myself being a babysitter and having kids try to con me. And as you can imagine, it didn't work. But, you know, being like, our mom said we can have ice cream in bed. And I'd be like, nice try, Michelle. Go to bed. There's no ice cream. Even at like 14, I was like, "Mm -mm, I don't think so. Um, But, you know, you want your kids to know that the rules are the same and have them hear you tell the babysitter those things. And then, like every other scenario here, be clear. Explain what you want them to do. And if you're working with a, you know, college, high school, even younger um, girl or guy. We've had some great guy babysitters. Um, Don't assume that they are going to do things like uh, clean up the kids' dishes and put them in the dishwasher. Don't assume that they won't put on a PG-13 or rated R movie, like whatever. Tell them those things. Not every kid is raised in the same type of environment or knows what they're supposed to do in someone else's house. So don't be confused and shocked if you come home and there's food all over the floor. Anytime I have a new babysitter, I very, you know, quickly and gently explain my expectations like, hey, I prepared the kids dinner. If you could just please scrape any, you know, excess food into the garbage and put this in the dishwasher um, and they can watch anything that's rated like Y7 um, on Netflix, anything else, if you could keep that off until they're in bed, you know, things like that. Just let them know what the expectations are. Show them where things are and that will be so much easier for you. Okay, I'm going to talk about nannies and daycare super quick since I have entire episodes about that. But for nannies, I'm also going to do, I think, a bigger sip and sleep potentially at some point this year all about nannies. I'm going to include like contracts that you should have, um, what's normal in terms of pay, what's normal in terms of sick days, questions to ask when you're hiring, what to do if things aren't working, how to manage them, how they can track things. I think I'm going to do a whole thing about that. But at a very high level, I hope that I'm catching you if you are thinking about like, oh, how do I keep my nanny doing the same things as me? I hope I catch you before you interviewed because it's so much just about the hiring. It is about understanding and you will get an an instinctual instinct. I don't know. I'm just whatever. You know what I'm saying. You will know when you ask questions in that interview process if they're the type of nanny that's like, no, 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 mama. I've done this for 50 years. Like, I know what I'm doing, which for me is a red flag. Or you will get one who is like, yes, please just let me know what you need to be done. I'm happy to follow your schedule. I will whatever. Um, 
because you can run the full gamut. And finding someone who is willing to do what you say when it comes to sleep and schedules and routine is critical and is really going to make a difference in your experience having a nanny. So assuming you have hired one that does understand what you want, they're on board, be very clear. Same as the other things. Be very clear about what your expectations are. Try to get ahead of any questions they have. Like, if she wakes up crying during a nap, here is what we do, right? Because I, I understand from a nanny's perspective, like, their job is to, like, you know, take care of your kids. And especially if you're, like, working from home or something, like, if the baby starts crying, I, I understand why they would think, like, the mom's going to think I'm ignoring their poor child if I don't, like, go in and do something. So explain to them, like, hey, sometimes she cries in the middle of a nap. It's just going to be a few minutes. She puts herself back to sleep. You don't need to worry about it. You know, thank you for doing this. And then I would, when you have a nanny in the home, especially if we're talking about babies or even kids who are still napping, I would have them keep some type of log about what's going on. Could be a whiteboard, could be an app, could just be a note section, like a shared notes in your phones, but something where you can click in and be like, oh, this nap like ran a little late, blah, 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 blah. Part of it is for you to be able to troubleshoot. So if something funky is happening and you're like, maybe we're ready for the next nap transition, I'm going to look and see like how she's been napping in the afternoon this last week or two. All of that good stuff. But it also helps hold them accountable because if you say, hey, the nap is at nine um, and you're asking her to write down when baby was put down for a nap and when she got up, it's going to be a little harder for them to be like, oh, whoops, we put her down at 10. You know, you were very clear about what you wanted and you are going to be tracking it. Lastly, daycare. So much like the whole nanny concept, this is so much about the interview process, picking the right place. I am, of course, aware that there are a million considerations when picking a daycare for your family. You know, the cost, the location, the every, I mean, everything. There's so many things. But for me, understanding the, the open line of communication as well as how they handle sleep, feeding, all of that stuff is a critical consideration. One thing I would do is ask about safe sleep. I don't feel like I've touched on this enough, but I hear and see things all the time from daycares doing really dangerous stuff. I'm not sure what sort of training is enforced. I don't believe there's any sort of like national or state regulation on sleep safety at daycares. There are other things that they regulate at the state level, but I don't believe that's one of them. And correct me if I'm wrong, anybody out there, um, because I hear things that are really not good. So I would ask them, does your staff follow a AAP safe sleep guidelines? How do you feed babies? Um, do you swaddle them? At what point would you stop swaddling? All of that stuff. Um, do you let them sleep in swings? All the good questions you need to know. And of course, their answers will be telling, right? Either they will be a deer in headlights or they'll be like, yes, of course, we do blah, 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 blah. And in general, I would just ask what their communication process is. I think this is so important. And it would be, even if you didn't care about sleep at all, you want to know if your nine-month-old comes home with like a bump on their head or your two-year-old starts inconsolably crying or your four-year-old starts having PP accidents, whatever. If something's happening and you're like, this is weird, I want to talk to somebody about what's been going on at school, you want to make sure that you have access to the teacher, to the director. Is there like an app that they use? Do they give you a log each day of what happened? Um, and I think a lot of this is kind of shifting now that we're getting past like, knock on everything, um, you know, kind of like the peak Ronita times. Um, and those things are changing and parents are getting more access to classrooms. So make sure that you have an open line of communication. And same thing. I think you you are looking at this almost the same way you'd be looking at it 
when you're talking to your partner about making changes. Like, come to the table as a collaborator, right? The same way your partner and you are equally invested in your child's happiness and health and all of that, the people at daycare, you know, they're your teammate as well. And they are taking care of lots of kids. So there are things you want to see from their perspective. Like, maybe they can't let a baby cry for more than X minutes because there's seven other babies in the room, right? So what are we going to do to make it easier for them, would they like you to provide a schedule? Can you bring your own white noise machine? Like, you know, you're just keeping the communication open and trying to support them in being successful in supporting you and your child's sleep. So I hope that was a good high level, all about getting caretakers on board. Like I said, if it's not working, I'll be the bad guy. Call me in. Okay, guys, I hope you have a fabulous rest of your week. I'm recording two guest episodes this week and one next week. So there's a a couple of really amazing guests coming on that I'm super excited about. Um, So be sure to be following on Instagram and I will be posting question boxes for the different guests and you'll see those episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks. Until then, uh, sleep well, I guess. Love you guys and I'll see you next Wednesday. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.